Hello, and welcome to the Rebuilding Relationships Podcast. My name is Carrie Vasquez, and I'm a relationship coach and strategist. But most importantly, I am a Jesus lover. I'm a wife, a mom to five children, and a grandmom. Each week, I'll be here with a guest or a message to help you love yourself deeper, fall in love again, and restore your relationships with God and others. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. I am so excited to have Lindsay LaVisca with us today. She is a homeschool and parent coach, and her business is A Heart for All Students. I am so excited um, to hear your story. She has three beautiful children, um, one of which her little boy is adopted. And I'm so excited about hearing your story today, how you have just overcome and just rebuilt your family um, where you are today. So welcome and thank you so much for being on our show. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, my dear. Appreciate it. So Lindsay, let me, let's take this back a little bit. Um, what about you just tell us, let's start with you telling us about you and your husband and how you guys met and you had your children. Just take us back to the beginning. Let's start with that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fun, right? Who doesn't love talking about that, right? Uh, so my husband and Ian and I met in college um, and we married about three years after we started dating. We got married when I was 23. I was pretty young, but we got married and um, I want to say about five years after we got married, we had our first daughter, um, and she is now 14. And then a few years after that, we had our second daughter and she is now 11. And then we, you know, life was just really lovely and idyllic. And I kind of went into parenting. I think like so many moms, like I was going to do everything opposite the way my parents did things. Um, because you know, I just didn't have like this, you know, my situation was pretty tough growing up and, and that's okay. And I give my parents such grace now, but at the time I just thought I was going to do it so much better. And, um, so anyways, about, let's see, um, my 11 year old was, I want to say she was five when, um, my husband and I decided to go ahead and try again for our third and we were able to get pregnant right away, but we lost the pregnancy right away. So we lost two pregnancies really, really early. There was the first time that I, we had had miscarriages and then we got pregnant a third time, and then we lost her about halfway through the pregnancy. And so I had to deliver my daughter's stillborn, and that was a very, very, um, just a traumatic, it was, it was one of the most devastating things that I ever had gone through at the time. Um, but and now I look back and I can see God's hand in like the whole entire thing, because in that season of grief, um, I just had such an amazing time with God as crazy as, you know, it was like that bittersweet time where I was grieving, but he was the only one to meet me in the, in that time. And, um, it was just a really, really sweet time. It was a very sweet time. And, and it prepared us for about, um, a few months. Let's see. It's interesting. A year, like almost a year, so we left the hospital when we lost our daughter, December 23rd, 2012. And then December 21st, 2013, we left the hospital with our adopted son, who we adopted at birth. So basically through those infertility, through that season, 
we decided that God was asking us to grow our family through adoption. And, and that's what we did. Um, that's what we chose to do. So I kind of already set the scene for the adoption of our baby boy. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. Yeah. So what were those first few years like? Well, after, when we brought him home, it was actually um, a pretty easy transition. It was very smooth. Uh, we were a homeschool family. Um, so at that point, my oldest was seven and we were really involved in our church community and our homeschool community. And we just had a busy life going from after school, you know, extracurricular and science co-ops and different events. And we were just super, super busy. And he just smoothly transitioned into our home. And that was such a blessing. Um, I always said that he slept like a champion, like he was a beast when it came to sleeping and we could not complain. And it was so easy um, for about the first 18 months. <clears throat> and then around 18 months, my boy, um, he started being able to move and because he was a delayed walker. Um, but soon we discovered that he had a severe, severe speech delay. And what that looked like originally or initially was <clears throat> screaming, hitting, kicking, biting. He became so angry and volatile because, I mean, I look back now because he, he couldn't communicate. So we think as moms, like when we get frustrated and we're overwhelmed and we can't catch a word, we're so frustrated. You know, we're Sarah, Jane, Robbie, whatever. We call our kids every other name that we could possibly think of. We call our, our the dogs a kid's name. You know, we get frustrated when we can't catch a word. And he was unable to communicate anything. And so, yeah, his behavior was out of control. And when I say he screamed bloody murder from the moment he woke up till the moment he went to bed. I am not even exaggerating. And then around that same time period, he stopped sleeping. Yeah. So all of a sudden, this child who was so frustrated and so agitated, and there was nothing he couldn't get into. I mean, nothing he couldn't get into. Um, it actually reminds me a little bit of your boy in what you were saying. To, you told me earlier about your boy, just, you know, getting into stuff. Um, this, this kid, it was like, he, I mean, we had to duct tape batteries into the remote control in order to keep him from chewing on the batteries. And then we would take those remote controls and we have to put them on the highest possible shelf on the top of like this media center that pretty much scaled, like it was flush to the ceiling. And yet he would, he would still get there. He would still climb up. He could climb anything. And to this day, he has not yet been to the hospital. Like, I mean, we're talking hung from a two-story foyer, Okay climbing on top of, you know, the minivan, literally running into the middle of the street because he sees a car coming, because that's going to be funny. Uh, escaping, escape the house, escape the house. We had to put chain locks on all our doors and, and those worked for about two weeks. And then he found out how to use a broom handle to open them, you know, at the age of three. So this boy rocked my world, rocked my world, rocked my world. It was in my family. Families are never will never be the same because of our boy. <laughs> yes, yes. So I totally get that. <laughs> but not as a baby, not as a little little guy. So did when did things change? Like when did you find that you started to transition, getting help? Like how what did that look like? Yeah, I'd say even before then, I think one of the biggest struggles that I had in that season. Well, I mean, just even going to the sleep deprivation, 
the sleep deprivation, and, and I'm not even remotely exaggerating when I say, I mean, it was more than 365 days straight where he did not sleep for more than two hours at a time, which meant my husband and I did not sleep for more than two hours at a time, which meant we really only slept for like 45 minutes to an hour at a time because the anxiety level was so high, knowing he was going to run down the hallway at any time or that he could escape the house if we happened to fall asleep. We just didn't know what he was going to do. Um, so that was honestly it was torture. It was so emotionally torturous for all of us. Um, but I, I literally fell apart because I had literally no sleep whatsoever. And he was so angry and hitting and scratching and biting. And my girls, you know, they had this home that was, you know, it was, it was wonderful. You know, it was, it was wonderful. It wasn't perfect. And now I see things that, you know, I'm so glad that our boy entered our lives, but at the time, Mm-hmm. The sleep deprivation, the humiliation, like, you know, we're very heavily involved in, you know, our church and the homeschool community, which can tend to be, you know, very, very conservative. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just that my idea of what a good Christian mama, how she raises her child, how she parents, how she disciplines, nothing right. works with yeah. this child. Yeah. And so I, oh, I mean, the guilt I felt for my girls, um, it was just insane because, and I, and it'll circle to what you just asked, which is when did I, when was the shift or when was there a shift? And I would say there was a shift. I forget exactly. He might've been close to three. And I remember it was one winter morning and I was looking around the house and we were in the kitchen. And I mean, I don't know how many days I hadn't slept, but I mean, I had not slept. And my son was probably up since five and screaming because he was always angry because he would just get into everything. I mean, so there was nothing he didn't want to get into and he was, he couldn't focus on anything for more than two seconds at a time. So I was constantly having to be on edge wondering what he was going to do, what, what kind of dangerous thing was going to happen, you know? And I remember this winter morning, just looking around my house and he had been screaming and I was like losing it, just falling and looking over at my girls and just watching them on edge. They were just so on edge because the screaming alone was, I mean, I, I joke, but it's so serious. I'm actually dead serious. I would tell people like, if we need to, you know, what's the word interrogating a prisoner of a prisoner of war, if our country needs to interrogate a prisoner of war, just put my son at that age in a room yeah. for a few hours and it, that's it. You're going to break them because it was so traumatic. And I just remember looking at my girls thinking uh, they were like hiding in their rooms because they were just, they couldn't even function. And I remember thinking my girls are going to lose their mama. Like they're going to lose their mama. They've already lost their mama. They've lost their mom because I couldn't even function. And I remember thinking I was waiting and waiting for this boy to get better, which I'm sure you can relate to waiting for that child to get better. Right. And just, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through this and try and researching everything, trying to figure out everything I could possibly do. It must be my fault. It must be my fault. So then you add, it must be my fault. And I just remember looking at my girls and realizing, because I was becoming so angry because I was so exhausted and their thoughts in the judgment that I was feeling from the community I was in um, and just my own internal garbage Mm-hmm. that I remember I sent a text out to a, a group of my girlfriends and I said, somebody please get me the name of a Christian counselor. I'm about to set the house on fire. And obviously I was exaggerating. I mean, I'm naturally a storyteller, but it was the point I was, I was so angry and I was going to lose my mind. And I knew 
if I didn't get help for myself, my girls were never, ever going to get their mom back. So girl, I got my butt into counseling by God's mercy, because before that, before that, I thought counseling was for weak people, you know, because that's how I was raised. That's what I was told. Right. Right. Being emotional is not okay. Right. Right. You can't be angry. That's a sin. You can't be angry. Like what? Oh my goodness. So I had several years of some intense counseling to really kind of tease through the own, the garbage in my own head mm-hmm. and just, and realize, you know what, this kid may never be that child that you expected them to be. He may never respond to the traditional approach to parenting that, you know, Yeah. but you have to be your, you, you can be your best. You can still function differently. And I mean, I'll tell you, girl, like for the first, I mean, I would say four, five months when I was in there, I barely even talked about my son. Mm. I talked all about stuff going on in my own head. Mm. And it was the best gift, the best gift by God's mercy that he just broke me and humiliated me by this child and got me into counseling so I could deal with my thoughts, right? Because the Bible talks about, the Bible talks about taking every thought captive to Christ. Why do you think he tells us to do that? Because we need to navigate those thoughts that are going through our head. But if we don't have a place to do it, exactly. we're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was a shift. That was the huge shift, I would say. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. So when did, first of all, how was your husband through all of this? Mm, he's so good. My husband is my just, I just love him. Like we, uh, let's see, 19 years. We're almost married 19 years. Very soon. I'm going to cry. Um, but he's just, he is just. I wouldn't have survived. I would never have survived without him. I probably would have, I honestly would have probably had to like commit myself Yeah. because I was just so beyond. There was nothing I could do. To, nothing I did lived up to what I thought mm-hmm. my life was supposed to be like. Yeah. And if only I could get this kid under control, if only I figured out the right discipline strategy for this child, he you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, like all this kind of stuff, everything that I just, you know, just, you know what I'm saying? It, it was just, my husband was amazing. He's yeah. very chill. Praise yeah. the Lord. <laughs> Cause I'm not. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so he was, he would come home in the afternoons and he would just take our boy like on a scooter ride for a couple hours just to, and, and my son would beat him up. My son would hit him and scream and get mad at him and he would take it so that I could just have a little bit of time, you know? So wow. that's good. That is amazing. Yeah. That is, that's like all God, right? Like yeah. just perfect connection. Um, I, I love it. I love it. How old is your son now? Um, so my son is six. Um, he's six years old. And so basically um, just to kind of catch you to kind of where we're at now, basically once I, once, not once, but in that season of working with my counselor, Amanda, who I love so much mm-hmm. and just really processing through a lot of the garbage in my own head. At the same time, you know, I had him in speech therapy and occupational therapy and we had a developmental pediatrician and we saw a pediatric neurologist. And I mean, we saw more than that. So sleep specialist. I mean, all of them. Um, and in that season, so it was a few years uh, in that season where I just was able to develop some incredible relationships with some amazing pediatric specialists here in the Charlotte area. But also I just was learning. I was just learning, 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 learning. And I know you get this because so many of us moms, when something's going on with our kids, 
we will find, we'll stop at nothing to yeah. find out yeah. what can we, what can we do? So I just kept learning and learning and reading about the brain and finding, um, just having these conversations with these specialists and just, just everything I could possibly do to, to learn about, um, you know, the brain fight or flight, you know, just how our brains work and how trauma impacts children and how, um, you know, how anxiety, anxiety actually mimics ADHD in children. So where anyone looking at my son at the time, including myself in the beginning, you were like ADHD, 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 when in fact, you no, know, he responded terribly to ADHD treatments. And I eventually just, I, over time, just thought, you know, he is just extremely anxious. He's extremely anxious. He's in total fight or flight. And we um, were able to get him some help for anxiety. And that was a big game changer for him. It didn't change, um, you know, it, it's like piece by piece, you know, not, there's never a one size fits all problem solved. It's over. Very, very rarely is that the case. Yeah. It's piece yeah. by piece, you know, yeah. tool by tool. Yeah. Um, so I changed my approach to him. And as we started equipping him with what he needed, um, things started to get better. Um, I really started uh, focusing on um, my connection with him, my relationship with him, recognizing that if I come at him with that traditional authoritarian approach, mm -hmm. he is only going to go spike, fight or flight, nothing up here in the more rational part of the brain is going to work. And he is going to, um, we're not going to get anywhere. And so, and, and I know you get this and, um, you know, just started providing him with an emotional vocabulary, really reflecting back what I was seeing so that he would be more aware of what was going on with himself, even as a little guy um, and giving him words. So we tell our kids use their words, but we don't really give them the words. Like I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling mad. Hey, we can, we need to give them words and give them ways to communicate that. So just, so much changed. Um, right. Yeah. Now, was his only diagnosis anxiety? He didn't, he wasn't on the autism spectrum or? No, he's, and it's interesting because um, so many of his behaviors, and I know you get this, so many of these diagnoses are, there's so many comorbid conditions. The, the symptoms, I mean, 99% of the time, these diagnoses, they are based on symptoms. They're not based on some sort of blood test that says, yep, you have this. Yeah, right. It's all based on symptoms. You know that. So, um, but if you looked at his picture and you looked at some of his behaviors, I mean, there was definitely a time where we thought he was on the autism spectrum. Um, the uh, lining up toys and um, just his high anxiety, which is such a, a symptom of um, the autism spectrum of kids that have autism. Um, so he definitely, we, we questioned whether that was the case. Um, but his developmental pediatrician, pointed out, you know, when you, I would say he was probably about four, we found a great developmental pediatrician and she has been amazing for us as well. Um, but one thing I would, uh, just to circle back at 18 months, right when all this started to go down with him, we had early intervention come in um, through the county because there was a couple developmental uh, milestones that he wasn't meeting. And so we had him, we had them come in just to kind of give him an assessment and his, um, number one strength and skill was his social skills, which is so interesting because your boy, it just, what you've told me. Yes. Right. Very social. Yes. Very social skills, which actually now 
if, I mean, if we end up talking about autism at some point, we can talk about that because this lack of social skills doesn't really define a child with autism. But, um, but in general, um, he does not have an autism spectrum disorder. Um, and I don't even like to call it a disorder. Quite frankly, I'm all about like, there's just, yeah, neurodiversity is like my heart and my passion. Um, but my son, his diagnosis right now is just based on anxiety. Um, I believe, you know, adoption, anyone who's been in the adoption community knows we're going to say in generalities, every single child that has been adopted has experienced some level of trauma and trauma impacts the brain. And there is a lot of research to back it up. It's just not as widely known. And he had some trouble. I will say his, um, you know, his birth mother made some decisions mm-hmm. um, during the pregnancy that definitely impacted him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's, it's a big picture, you know, it's a real big picture. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll sit and just talk adoption because yeah. there's, yeah. there's so many adoptive parents out there who had no idea what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. Not that they would, not that they would change anything, but they needed equipping. They needed yes. and yes. foster and so it's a huge, yeah, huge thing. I, I love that you say that because I, I know a, quite a few parents, people that have adopted that have dealt with or are still currently dealing with this. And I know it's such a struggle. Like I know, you know, I have friends that I pray for constantly because they're really, really, really having a hard time. Um, so I love that. I love everything that you've been saying. And I love that he's not diagnosed on the autism spectrum because I think it's like mental illness, right? So I shared with you and I've done a podcast on how my son was diagnosed with ADHD and bipolar disorder. And the diagnosis is like, okay, first it's like genetics, right? It's in the family. There's been some hesitation with the diagnosis, but then there's also, you know, they're like, oh, is it the oppositional defiant disorder? And they want to like label all of these things, right? And I think even as moms, there's a part of us that almost has a sense of peace to have a label so that we can understand what it is, right? And then maybe even a piece of it where we're like, oh, okay, it's not just me. There's actually a problem here, right? I actually, I shared with you that I did uh, parent management training. And actually the person that I was working with, she shared with me um, and his psychiatrist has also said, that a lot of his issue is a high level of anxiety, like his impulsivity is through the roof. But then when you kind of look at all these behaviors, you start to realize like in fifth grade, we moved, he went to a new school. He went from being like this loved and liked kid to now he's the new kid. And then um, he was kind of made fun of, not totally accepted right away. And that to him was like, and the teacher like, really didn't like him. Like I'm usually on the teacher side for like everything. I actually wanted to pull him out of the classroom he was in. She was like failing him in everything. He's in fifth grade, new student. And, um, he said, no, mom, I don't want you to pull me out because if you pull me out, I have to start all over again in a new classroom with new kids. And like, so he just didn't want to leave, but this is when a lot of the behaviors started and we were in a family that were like big on like name brands and all of this stuff. Like, and my girls were never into that. My girls were like, I don't care. Like me, leave me, don't care. 
we went to the school that it was like very, you know, kit, everybody wore name brand, everything. Right. So my son would try to on a white t-shirt with a, a marker, do a Nike sign so he could have a Nike shirt. Okay. So he definitely struggled with high anxiety and like, and just wanting to fit in because he was always, he's always, he's popular. Like he's always fit in. Right. So, um, and I love like, even just with you saying the fight or flight, that is him a hundred percent, you know? Um, it's like, cause he's constantly running, you know, like, and it's, it's like, can you just stop running? What are you running from? You know? But, um, but it was, it was definitely even for myself, a learning experience. Cause I had to learn that that was me as a child. Like yes. I was constantly like running from my uncomfortable space, you know? And like, I love my parents and they were wonderful, but there were certain things that I struggled with as a child. And that was, I see my son as a reflection of me. Right. So it's been awesome how God has shown me through him and him through me, like just showing, and I'm learning a lot about my son, you know, myself through him. Um, but anxiety is this thing. Um, and I see it even in my girls, but they manage it very differently. Um, and I see it where it's really, like you said, I, you know, it's, it's a game changer when you can kind of identify, um, what's going on, you know, and why. Yes. How is he, like, what, how is he doing today? So he's been receiving treatment. Is he speaking, like, fully able to? So Buddy is doing amazing. He is a miracle child. Like, I I mean, I say he's a miracle child. He's not perfect by any means, okay? I'm not perfect. I am so fallen. Um, And going back to what you said about, you know, you've learned so much about yourself through your son. It's like, that's why God gives us these amazing kids. He chooses. And I tell all my moms all the time, you remember this, God chose you to parent this child on purpose. He didn't choose your kid's teacher. He didn't choose the principal. He didn't choose the pediatrician. He didn't choose the nasty lady at Target that's judging you because your kid's throwing a temper tantrum. No, he didn't choose your in-laws. He chose you on purpose. And there's a reason that we're put together. Like my son, we weren't there to, we thought we were rescuing him because, you know, we were adopting this baby and everyone says, oh, you're so good because you're adopting this child. You're saving a child. Yes, we are. Yes, okay, fine. No, this child saved me. This child has taught me. So we're together to grow each other. And God just uses that, that tension that we go through with our kids. Right. So I love that you said that. Um, As far as my man, my little boy, he is doing very, very well. Now we still have a pretty severe, um, I mean, it's much better expressive and receptive language delay. Um, I say severe. He definitely can communicate now. Um, and I don't look at, and I encourage moms, do not look at the, um, where everybody's supposed to be. You watch your child and your goal is just growth over time. We didn't really talk about the fact that my background is all in education and I, I have my master's in teaching and I've been teaching, you know, and working with kids for over 20 years. And so how I look at children and how I teach children is so different. But with my son, what I see is just this growth. And so I really very rarely freak out anymore about where he's going to be. So yes, he's behind his peers when it comes to speech and language. But in other areas, he's 19 years old, right? And that's the, that's the beauty of just we're all unique individuals. And so uh, 
He's doing so well. He's really good at using his um, his words and give us because we've given him a lot of language to use. Like when I feel frustrated, and instead of um, poo pooing that, um, I remember early in my homeschooling journey, right? Early in my homeschooling journey, you know, when I was going to be the perfect Christian mom, you know, because I'd been a parent what of all like a couple years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to be the perfect Christian mom. I didn't know that, you know, I was thinking that, but man, it wasn't until my boy that I realized how self-righteous and judgmental I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was going on in my head was because I used to do that to people. Like I, I am just, ugh, God is just such a work to just help me just have such compassion. Um, but my, uh, oh gosh, my boy just, um, has just, he's just doing really, really well. But language um, is a big piece. So when he would get angry, I remember early in my homeschooling journey, I remember reading a blog, okay? Because we're all looking at blogs and like, how do I deal with this? You know, when you're a new mom, how do I do this? And you always look to the parenting, the Christian parenting experts. At least that's what we did, right? That's what I did. Oh, yeah. I and, did. I remember, right? and I remember once reading a blog from like a, like a very well-known homeschooling expert. And she was talking about how you don't even, you never accept anger from your child. That is a sin, right? That is a sin. That is unacceptable. You never accept any anger from your child. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and so I, I speak to that to say, I think so many of us in the Christian community are struggling with some lies that we've been fed for so many years, not by intentionally ugly people, we're just people. But when you read, when you read scripture and you know scripture and you see the gospel, Mm -hmm. the only reason that we have any relationship with God is because of Jesus doing everything perfectly for us because we never will. And if we expect our children to be perfect and never be angry, and then going back to the anxiety piece, how big of a deal is the anxiety piece in the church, right? Don't be anxious about anything. You're sinning. You're sinning. Are you insane? Right. Paul himself, Paul himself talks about, you know, he's concerned about being anxious. I forget where it is, who he's, yeah. he wrote, wrote, I think it's the church at Corinth. He says, so I won't be anxious. Help me. So I won't be anxious. Yeah. Like there's a reason, you know, and clinical anxiety is very different than just making a conscious decision to worry about, you know, right. that this, the other thing and trying to control everything. But I just, um, he, we give him the tools so when he feels angry, so buddy, you're feeling angry. I can see you're feeling angry. Let's go punch um, big sisters super into martial arts. So we've like punching bags. Let's go punch the punching bag. Or why don't you tell me, you know, give, let's, you know, let's go outside and run. Let's go do this. I can tell you're feeling angry. Use your words. Talk to me. You know, so we're trying to give him the language and that's been super helpful for him because he's using these tools in his tool belt, yeah. which is such a gift. So, and I'm using the same tools. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Now, how's he sleeping at night? Oh, okay. So we've definitely had to navigate that. That was a huge, and again, huge piece, right? It's pieces. It's not one size fits all. So it was first we dealt with the anxiety. Yep. Then we dealt, actually, if I'm not mistaken, we actually addressed the sleep first. Okay. So that was huge because at the time I was like, I was like so holistic and everything, you know, because we can all get extreme. So, you know, I was all about the supplements. I tried every single supplement. I tried all the oils. I tried all the, I tried, I tried everything. I tried the, all the amino acids, which there's, yes. I mean, I tried tryptophan. I tried GABA. I tried 5-HTP. I mean, I tried it all. I tried everything. Um, And I had, that was a lie I had to navigate too, which is a good Christian mama or a good mama doesn't drug her kid. How many people 
judge, yeah. right? And that was me. Yeah. That was me. I used to judge people like, oh, it was so self-righteous. Forgive me. Oh. <laughs> but um, so we had to address the sleep and I, and even giving him anything, any medicine at the time, like there was that piece where I was believing that I was a bad mom for allowing him, for giving that medicine. But what I realized was, is this child, sleep is everything. Yes. Sleep is everything. And if he can't settle his precious little mind, if he can't settle his precious mind to sleep, how is he ever going to be able to learn anything? Yes. And so it was yes. once we got the sleep, I would actually, I'm glad you asked that question because it was once we got the sleep taken care of, um, that we started to see the language start to develop. He could focus a little bit better. He, because he wasn't like bouncing off the walls. Um, that was a huge piece. And then we addressed the anxiety. Um, now, if, um, if you don't mind me asking, does he, what medication does he do, take for sleep? What helps him? Um, it's so interesting. So, um, uh, cause I, this is the only thing that worked cause we tried a lot. Um, he takes clonidine. Okay. Okay. Interestingly enough, clonidine is in that same family with um, like wampacine. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I used to take it for blood pressure at one point. I think my dad takes it. There <laughs> you go. Okay. So you're familiar. So he takes um, clonidine and interestingly enough, okay, Unisom, one tablet of Unisom, over-the-counter Unisom. It's the Unisom. There's two versions of Unisom out there. And obviously everyone needs to talk to their pediatrician first. Absolutely. But it's good to know because... We're all, this is all a new territory for everybody. You know, this mental health and really understanding the brain and neuroscience and having doctors be more aware of what's going on with these children instead of just shaming parents and like tell, telling them that you have a terrible child and your child's destined for failure or you better just get on your kid. Yeah. Um, that's got to that's gotta end. Um, so Unisom has two different kinds. One of them has the type of medication that's in Benadryl, okay? That's not the Unisom. There's another one, and I really need to learn how to say it, and I don't, but it's like something disuccinate, and it's it's an over-the-counter medication, and my, praise the Lord, we have amazing developmental pediatricians, so she's very, um, we just communicated, and we said, this is what I, this is the only thing, let's try it, can we try this, and it worked, and this is what we keep, and he can, he can live, he can live, he doesn't run out into the middle of the street anymore. Yeah, that's awesome, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's so hard because, you know, I, I think I went through a period of time of feeling guilty with my son. And I remember one day, I mean, I literally, I'm usually pretty good. And I, I get like emotional even just thinking about it. I'm usually pretty good at keeping it together. Right. And you have those moments that you just completely lose it. And you're like, okay, then you're like, get it back together. You know, you've got to be strong, but you've yeah. got to lose it. Sometimes, right. That's self-regulate. So healthy. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. We definitely need those moments. Um, but I remember his psychiatrist one time because I, it was hard for me to keep him now. Now I have like this preteen teenager cause he started around 12 years old, like leaving the house, you know, and just like running off without permission. And I had no idea where he was. Um, he'd leave in the middle of the night and I would have no idea where he was. Um, he was telling everybody he was older than he was. So he's driving around with like 16, 17, 18 year olds and he's like 13, you know? So, um, and I remember us trying different medications and the doctor saying to me, um, I mean, we can medicate him to the point of almost like sedating him where he's just like a zombie. And I remember like bawling at that point in time, like, 
I don't want to just drug my child. And because it was even the medication he was on, I was like, it's bad enough he's on this. And he's just kind of like, you know, um, not very, you know, active with this medication. And I just, it was so hard for me at that time. And then you get to the point where, like you said, like, you just want to keep them safe and you just want to like figure this out. And it was, um, I would call it the panic pill because, and he kind of hated it because if I could see him starting to escalate and I knew what it would go to, I'd be like, would you like the panic pill? Cause it was like, um, it was a uh, Seroquel, like a fast acting Seroquel, or it was another one, um, hydroxazine. It's actually an allergy uh, medication also hydroxazine. Um, but it's also for anxiety. And that one I know has worked well for like my girls and things like that. So that one will almost instantly kind of put you to sleep. So it's so hard with medication, you know, because you, you do, you kind of can feel that guilt, but then you have to get to this place that you realize not everything works for everyone, right? It isn't one size fits all. Um, you know, years ago when I was homeschooling my kids, I was homeschooling the four of them at one point. And, um, and I remember, and it was because my little one was born at 25 weeks and we decided, yeah, we decided I'm just going to homeschool because we didn't want her exposed and she had doctor's appointments. It was crazy. Um, but I homeschooled for, um, almost three years. And at the end of those three years, and I was living in that box, you know, the feeling like judged and like the homeschool community and like it has to be like this and this is the good homeschool home and schedule and all the things right and then it was like um at the end of that I was literally a mess between like my daughter being born at 25 weeks going through kind of three years in and out of the hospital the kids you know my dad had heart surgery brain surgery and like my sister went through like a manic episode like all these things were happening And by the end of almost three years, I was like, didn't want to get out of bed, didn't want to homeschool them, not another day. Like, I just felt like I can't do this anymore. And I was at that place. And I remember like sending them to public school, going to therapy, going back to work, like doing all these things because I realized that I was that person too, you know, like just really harsh, judgmental, trying to fit into a box that wasn't mine to fit in or my kids you know? Yes. So, um, it's, it's definitely, um, it's a hard journey. I mean, just being a mom is hard. Right. But then when you add all of these other things, um, like a child that's challenging and that has their own needs, you know, yes. it just makes it much harder. It yeah. Does. Yeah. But, and, and it does, but what, what, one thing that, you know, I've realized is like, um, because I, I'm I'm hard on the Christian community and the and the homeschooling community only because that was me, not because anyone was trying to be ugly. Because these are my people. These are my people. This is my community, and I love them. Everybody's my people, and we're just learning. We're just people, and we're just doing the best we can. And and so I just but there that is I just get it that there's just such grace. We are trying to make everybody be the same because when it comes down to it, when someone does something different than you do, mm-hmm. it's fear. It's, we feel threatened. We feel, what am I doing? Am I not doing it right? And, and so we just have to give each other great. And that's all 
Jesus calls us to do. I mean, that's all he says, you know, yeah. you're mine if you follow my commands. And at the end of chapter 15 of John, he says, because he talks about you're, you're my disciples if you follow my commands. You're just my disciples if you follow my commands. And you get to the end, because I, I would always read that scripture and I'd be like, okay, well, what's the command? What's the command? Yes, what's the command? And then he says, love each other as I have loved you. End of John 15. That's what he says, love each other. Well, how did Jesus love us? Yeah. He came to what he gave up his life for us, lived the perfect life because we'll never do it. Right. And he gave his life for us so we could have relationship with God. And so the people and the community that I am reaching out to right now is you don't have to parent the child that the world is telling you you are supposed to, that your child's supposed to be. Yes. Whatever the world is, whether it's the public school system, yes. whether yes. whether it's the church, whether it's the you know um, homeschooling community, you have to parent the child that God has given you the way Jesus would, which is love come to them in relationship and walk alongside them. Isn't that what Jesus does? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's so true. So, so true. And I think that is the beauty of it too. It's like, I think more than anything, I should say that a lot of times we, I know for me, I was the one putting myself in the box because I think, you know, our community and our friends and the people we're around, whether it's church or whoever it is, they mean well. You know, their intentions, because otherwise they wouldn't be in your circle, right? Like they mean well, their hearts really are for you. They want to help. And like you said, it is a lot of fear in there to like be outside of that box. But I think it's like, even like what you were saying in the beginning, that inner story and the lies that you tell yourself a lot of times. And really, even if we really think about it, like I say, my son is a reflection of me or, you know, you know, it's that fear of like not fitting in. So wait, everyone's doing it like this. Like, let me do it like this too. So I have one more question for you. Um, And I would love, you know, of course to have you back because there's so much more that we could be talking about and we can, a billion more questions I can ask you. What do you tell the mama that is struggling? She is like deep, deep, deep in over her head, doesn't know what to do, feels completely lost, hopeless, has tried every medication, every doctor, all the things, child isn't sleeping. Like, what do you say to this mom who is in this place? Oh my gosh, I have to say, I'm saying it a lot these days. (laughs) I, I mean, I want her to know that it's not her fault, first of all, because she feels like it's her fault. She feels like it's her fault And she feels like she is a failure and then she's getting isolated Mm -hmm. and she's feeling judged and then she's getting isolated and then her children are getting isolated. And that's what the enemy wants for us is to be isolated and to suffer alone. And so I want her to know that she's not a disappointment, Mm -hmm. that she, this is one of the big things uh, in, in my book and in my course and with my moms that I coach that I talk about all the time. And we are told in our culture, even in the church, we say, but the only person you can control is yourself. Mm-hmm. However, we tell that mama all the time, you better get control of your child. You better control your child. What a lie that is mm-hmm. that, that, that I, that it's up to me mm-hmm. to control that child because God who could control us mm-hmm only one who could control us chooses not to. Yet we are telling ourselves, we are believing a lie that says there's 
something. I just need to strive harder. I need to strive harder. And then I'll get this kid under control to make everybody happy. And it will never happen. And what's happening is she's suffocating. The drama in her own head is killing her. And that is sucking the life out of her that Jesus doesn't call her. To, he doesn't, I mean, it doesn't mean it's not going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be not going to be hard, mm-hmm. but the guilt and, and the first thing we talk about in, in my course and, and I'm just relaunching it. And so I'm so really excited. I actually was just in it today, like kind of cleaning some stuff up is first thing is what's going on in your own head. Where is this coming from? Because this stuff going on in her head is killing her and it's stressing her out. And so when she's trying to deal with like the meltdowns Mm -hmm. in public, you know, you know, that poor mom, we've all been that mom at least once, Mm -hmm. at least Mm -hmm. if we're blessed enough by Jesus to have been humbled enough, right? (laughs) We've all been that mom who's had our kid. We're running through target. The kid is kicking and flailing and scratching us. We're dripping with sweat. Right. And we think there's those people going, you should control your kid. And no, even if now when my boy, if he has a meltdown, I can be like, okay, I'm not going to, if I bring drama, if I bring, I'm supposed to control him. Oh, it's all up to me. Oh, I must've screwed up. If I bring that to him in that moment, nothing good happens. He senses my stress. He senses my anger. He goes into fight or flight. He loses his mind even more. And so I'm no good. I'm no good to him in that moment. Like meaning we can let go of this garbage. We have to let go of this garbage in our head. She is loved. She's not a failure. She's been chosen by God on purpose to raise this child. She needs to trust her instinct. One thing I'm noticing a lot with parents, and I notice it because this is part of my journey, is how much we are abdicating our role and authority as parents to the pediatrician, the teachers, the superintendent, the government, um, the, the grandma, Auntie Annie, who died years ago, but we loved her so much and she disciplined us in a certain way. And so we feel like well, that's the best way to do it. You know what I'm saying? No, she was chosen. Yeah. She was chosen on purpose to raise this child. And so she has to trust that. I mean, if she's a believer, she's got to trust that the Lord is going to fill in the gaps and just win. Because so many moms, they're, they're parenting in confusion. Yeah. Right. So when their child's screaming and yelling, they know their child is so exhausted and emotional and they can tell that their child is off. Mm-hmm. But the world tells her, you better get, you better nip that in the bud. Mm-hmm. You better nip that in the bud, whether it's a spanking or whether it's, you know, severe isolation. It's, it's just the funniest. It's not funny, but it's ironic yeah. how she, so she feels like she knows she needs to offer grace. She wants to offer love, but she's being told I can't, but that's wrong. And so I just encourage that mom to really like lean in, pray, seek out relationship with other moms who understand and have walked before you in this, right? And that can give you grace and wisdom and love. And you know what? Even when you mess up, because you're gonna, because I mess up every single day of my life, we're all gonna do it. God is big enough to fill in the gaps. He's big enough to fill in the gaps. If we could fix our children, okay, last thing, and I swear I'll stop talking. But if we could, if we could fix our children, if we could eradicate sin in our children, you know, that outward behavior, if we could eradicate sin in our children, why in the world would we need Jesus? Mm-hmm. Why do I need to point my children to Jesus if I can solve it? Yes, right? yes, that's oh. so good. So good. And you know, it's funny because I think God has reminded me every single day because, you know, yes, I hear all of these things of like, you know, why do you let him get away with this? Or you shouldn't let him get away with that. Or, oh, that's because, you know, if he was, and, I, and I've even done it myself. Like sure. you had mentioned this before. And I know that God is, has used all of this to even show me 
my harsh judgment on other people. And I was always that mom, like, oh, I'll straighten him out. Like, oh, what? He talked back to you? Oh, and I still do. There's times that I still like, oh, no, you do not let your child talk to you like that. Like, I'll, you know, my, my nieces and nephews, like, they're all like, oh, you know, let's be respectful around Auntie Carrie because she's that tough aunt. I mean, they know I love them and adore them. But, but I have totally been that person that's like, you know, bring the hammer down. And there's times that they're like, oh, you'll bring the hammer down with everybody else, but not your own son. Like, look at him, you know. And so I totally get that. But I've also been able to learn through it where it's like, oh, okay, God, you know what? That was me. And that has been me on so many occasions, you know? So how do I change, start with me and extend grace and love on um, and just realize that we're like, we're all in this journey and we're in like different places and how can we love and help and serve each other? Um, but I love everything that you just said too, because I mean, I think of this one mama that like, oh, she is, oh, we message each other and, and I could just, you know, and I pray for her and her baby and, um, and it's, it's just such a, a tough place to be. And it's a lonely place, a lonely mm. place. Um, and I love how you said in the very beginning that God met you, you know, where you were, with, like when you were going through therapy. Um, and sometimes God allows us to go through things, even like with this whole, everything that's going on right now with, you know, this virus and everything. Sometimes it's like God strips us, right? Or, or he puts us in this place where it's just us and him. Right. Or he's just all, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you, we lived in North Carolina for a year and my husband had to stay back cause he didn't find a job there. So it was me and the three in the three kids. And there were days that I would be in my closet just crying out to God. And it was like, like, he was all I had. Like I, it was nothing. There was, I couldn't call my husband cause he was, you know, hundreds of miles away. There was nothing he could do. It was just me and the girls. I couldn't, lean on my girls. Like they needed me, you know, and they needed me to be strong for them. So sometimes we just get stripped of everything so we can see God right in it all. How are your girls? I said one more question, but I just need to know how they're doing. How are your girls? It's interesting you ask that because I truly believe that my son shredding me and humiliating me, um, saved my, saved my relationship with my girls because I was that mom with my oldest Absolutely not. Uh -uh, I'm going to nip that in the bud. And I was so concerned with outward behavior. Mm -hmm. So concerned with outward behavior. Now she is the, honestly, anybody who knows her, she's the happiest. She's most loving. She's such a, such a sweet girl. And I'm so grateful for her. Um, But I have to, I think to myself, if I kept going in that way, you know, and I still, I can see repercussions of it. I can see her being, she's a very, I'm sorry, mommy. And I'm like constantly baby girl. Mm-hmm. Like even today, before I even got on this call, I got on a call with my cousin because I was losing my mind today. Cause I'm just a normal person that loses my mind and, and loses it. Right. And so I got on this and I kept telling my girls today, cause I was kind of like irritable, but not at them. And I kept saying, girls, this has nothing to do with you. This is me. This is my own stuff. I just need a break. Like I'm like, I'm all about like, what do you need? Let's figure out what you need. Let's equip ourselves to appropriately handle stressful situations. Adults do it all the time. We need to equip our kids to do it. So, but I will tell you this, um, they are amazing. And I'm so grateful to my son for helping 
me become a better mom for them. And everything that I've done, my whole way of parenting is so different. The way I teach them is so different. Um, and I'm so grateful to them. My girls, like I, I'm so grateful to them. So, um, not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's Nope. And we are not. Nobody's perfect ever, but we love, right. We just love each other. Like, okay, you're mad at your sister right now. She got frustrated. And then I'll, like, even my 14 year old now should be like, mom, I'm really sorry. It's just earlier. I was feeling anxious about this math problem. It made me feel stupid. Then she came in and I was just feeling insecure and blah, 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 blah. So she's, That's she's awesome. starting to verbalize. So it's, it's awesome. And I hear you, you know, I heard you say that as well yeah. with your girls. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's awesome. That's, and that's encouraging because I think a lot of parents, I know for me will feel like, am I destroying my other kids' lives by allowing this mm-hmm. one disruptive child to disrupt the family and disrupt everything. And, and sometimes there is that fear of like, you know, is that what I'm doing? So it's encouraging to hear that. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, and maybe this might be our next topic topic, because I do think I, I was going to say, I do believe though, that my 11 year old daughter, I know for a fact, she has been severely, I'm realizing now how much trauma she experienced because of my son. And, um, so my girls, I've, we've all gotten, we, there's with this amazing Christian counseling practice here. And and it's important for us as believers to be in a a Christian community, um, because we need to make sure that we're lining up with scripture. And that's so, so important as believers. So if, you know, so it doesn't, it's not a judgment against anyone else, but that's just important for us as a family. And so my girls have a place They've had their own people in that practice. And it's just another voice, another adult to be able to process through things. Um, but my 11-year-old, she's really suffered a lot of trauma. And so, um, you know, we're never, what do you do? Throw out the kid? Yeah. You do. So I have to trust the Lord in this journey. I have to trust that he put, and I tell my girls this all the time, trust that he put the five of us together on purpose. Yeah. The, the 11-year-old, you are his big sister. And yes, he drives you crazy sometimes. And yes, you've experienced some scars because of that dynamic, yeah. but they've also experienced scars from me. Cause I know, like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough one that girl, I, I feel you on that. And that's a huge thing to talk about, but it's like, what's our alternative, yeah. right? What's exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, and I will say, I, I do see a sense of that. I feel my girls and I are very close and I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have been this way if we weren't dealing with it. So who knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's share, I'm going to put it all in the show notes, but please tell us what you have going on with your coaching, your course, your book, whatever it is that you have to offer um, the audience. Yeah. Well, I started, um, basically I had people asking me to, I was kind of homeschooling some kids and getting a lot of requests for what tutor my kid, tutor my kid, my kid that just learns differently. And I, long story short, I just felt that the Lord was asking me to kind of put that down so I could help. I just want to coach and equip the mom because the more moms that I can equip and give them the freedom to parent the child that God gave them, then the more children we impact. So I have a, uh, my organization is called a heart for all students and a heart for all students is just, we're all learners. We're always learning. We're disciples. We're disciples of God. We're disciples of Jesus Christ, disciple, discipleship, discipline. It all goes together. Discipleship. And, um, we're all students. We're always learning. And so I have a big heart for the kids that are being forced to be environments that are incredibly stressful for them. Fight or flight goes in. They can't learn. 
I can go into the brain. I love to talk about the brain. I'm kind of geek out on that kind of stuff. But my heart is to equip the mom that knows there's a different way. She wants to honor the Lord and how she parents her child. She knows her child on the outside does not have the, the behaviors on the outside do not line up with what everyone's telling them that child should be doing. Um, but she knows there's a better way, but she doesn't know how. And she's afraid because she's isolated. Mm-hmm. And so my heart, I have a huge Facebook com- community. My Facebook community is where I pour in a lot um, because I want to create a tribe of moms that feel brave enough to do things differently. So whether you have your kid in public school and the school is asking for something that's completely inappropriate for the child that you have, I want that mom to feel brave enough to go, no, this is what my child needs. And let's come walk together, work together and, and, and equip my child. Let's work together. Um, and I also, um, so I have a course where, I mean, a group where I go live each week and I answer questions every Wednesday. I answer questions from my mamas, um, but I also have a book um, and that is going to be published probably by the end of the month. Just that'll just be on Amazon. So you can just get that on Amazon and that's called Behind the Behaviors. But I also have a course coming out. I'm so excited. I did a beta test with these ladies and it was wonderful. And it's really about the four steps. It's called the four steps to capture and influence your child's hearts, beliefs, and behaviors. And it's all about influencing our children through relationship. You have a, you have, you have a heart for that. I already, you know, in this couple hours, we've gotten a chance to talk. I was just so impressed, not impressed, but that sounds, but I just, I really appreciate your heart for your boy. So that's my heart is to equip moms so that we can get some of these kids off the mental health hamster wheel. You know, kids that display ADHD behaviors, just ADHD behaviors, even if there's not a diagnosis, yeah. The mental health implications for those kids with traditional parenting and education is yeah. so damaging. Oh yeah, and increased. I mean, the, just the rates of. I just there, there's a different way yes. to equip these children for long term life, adulthood. Yeah. So yeah. that's my heart. It's just I to put these. Moms. I love that. What what's the, what are your groups called? Is it like Facebook? Well, so, then, um, so my Facebook group, it's equipping moms is the backslash. It's a heart for all students. So if you were to go to a heart for all students, you would get to my business page and then you could just click because it goes straight to my page. That's equipping moms. And then, um, yeah, that's just been such a blessing, that group. And they've blessed me. Yeah. Totally. Such that. a great group of women. Um, but yeah, and I do, and I coach, yes, I offer, um, homeschool coaching and planning. Um, just outside the box teaching is my thing. We haven't even talked about teaching, but that's like my jam. Like yeah. just, I'm all about like, how can we, okay, what's missing? Okay, let's help you learn this in a different way. Let's, let's come alongside you, yeah, you know? Really. So that's my heart. But I do parent coaching, but I, right now I'm focused on the, you know, the homeschool piece and trying to equip these moms that are just suddenly homeschooling that feel like, right? They feel like they can't do it. Yeah. They think I'm not, I'm like, yes, you are a teacher. You're their child's primary teacher. You will not believe what they're learning from you. Yes, exactly. you can do it. Exactly, so. exactly, yeah. totally. That is so awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much. I look forward to having you back again. Uh, We have so much more that we can talk about. Uh, I love what you're doing. Um, I love how you have your heart for your little boy and for your girls. Um, And just so grateful that you have an awesome husband to just walk Mm -hmm. by you to do it with you. Um, I love your story. Love it, love it, love it. meeting you and I can't I'm like I've learned so much from you just even today I think we're going to talk about our older like because my girls are a little younger than your girls yeah. and I, I know there's so much I'm going to learn from you I already have just 
you know, in the earlier conversation that everybody else didn't get to hear, you know, our yeah, secret. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> our secret conversation. Absolutely. We will definitely connect again. Um, any way that I can help you, your audience, anything I can do, you know, I'm here for you. Um, and again, I look forward to having you back. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. I hope that I have served you on the highest level. And if I have, please be sure to share this episode and give me a great rating on iTunes so that I can continue to serve you and others. Now head on over to my website and grab your free copy of the first chapter of my book called Recreate Your Love. It's coming out soon. My website is www.passion4visions.com. And while you're there, go ahead and check out more of my services. My heart is always to serve you with much love. Have an amazing week and be sure to head back next week for our next episode. Please understand that anything shared on my show, the Rebuilding Relationships podcast, is intended to give you tips, tools, and strategies to help you transform your relationships and your life. While I am a certified coach, I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. So please be sure to seek professional medical advice when you feel necessary. Take care.